Hello and welcome to another episode of the Madison Peak Podcast. Today we have member, Head of Wills and Probate, Mansrul Islam, talking about the common misconceptions about lawyers. So, welcome Mansrul. Hi Rob. Do lawyers sometimes lie to win a case? Oh, that's a good question and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Uh, if you ask me, a lawyer would never lie to win the case. Um, our primary duty is always to the court, so we are simply not allowed to mislead or lie to the court or to the judge. Uh, frankly, if we did, it would almost certainly mean being struck off and risking our entire career and livelihoods, so no sensible lawyer would ever want to take that risk. Uh, frankly, if a client's got a case which is weak and uh, it would tempt them to perhaps lie to try and improve their case, then a good lawyer would recognise the weak case, would speak with their client, advise them of the, uh, the problems in their case and aim to negotiate a resolution with their opponent to avoid trial and avoid the need for the client feeling they've got to lie or putting pressure on the lawyer to lie. So the short answer is a lawyer should never lie to win a case and cannot. Are good lawyers always rude? Uh, well, I hope the answer to this is no. And in fact, in my experience, the best liars are always the most polite ones. Um, being rude doesn't win you a case. It doesn't even win you friends, frankly. And remember, when you're in, a, for example, a courtroom, if you're trying to persuade someone, it's much easier to persuade someone if they like you. So uh, bad matters never win you a case. Um, they don't need, frankly, annoy your, not just your op opponent, but annoy the judge too. So, in my experience, good manners wins every single time. Do lawyers work on legal aid, no win, no fee, or pro bono all the time? They don't. Uh, only lawyers who are approved by the Ministry of Justice can offer legal aid. Um, so, you, um, if you're not approved, then you can't offer it, and... Currently in the country there are a very limited number of law firms which can offer legal aid. So that's where the government will either pay or contribute towards your legal fees. So there aren't very many firms which offer legal aid and actually the type of cases where it can be used is also very limited. So for the majority of um, people who might need help from a lawyer they would usually have to fund it privately um, just because of the limited areas where it can apply and the limited number of firms who offer it. As for no win no fee, this is an arrangement where your lawyers will agree to take their fees at the end and only if you are successful with your case. So as the name suggests, if you don't win then you don't have to pay them anything. If you do win you do have to pay them and it's usually there's usually a supplement because they took the risk of not being paid. Um, now, whether a firm offers no win, no fee depends on the work type. As you can imagine, if the client was Pepsi Cola, for example, and they were looking to um, buy new factory premises in the UK and they were using a lawyer, that wouldn't be the kind of arrangement where there'd be a no win, no fee. But let's just say you were a, a passenger on a bus and the bus driver um, was under the influence of uh, alcohol and had a had an accident god forbid in the vehicle which caused you personal injury in that kind of situation if you went to uh, a lawyer you would probably find a firm which would be able to act on a no win no fee basis so it does depend on the type of situation and the type of firm but it's um, but it is possible to get no win no fee and pro bono is where a lawyer might agree to 
work without any charge to the client. But again, that will depend very much on the specifics. You can imagine if Richard Branson walked into a law firm, the law firm would be uh, reluctant to want to offer him a free service, whereas somebody who is perhaps of very limited means and they had a very uh, important case, or a case which was certainly very important to them. For example, um, I dealt with a case a few years ago where there was a young boy who suffered catastrophic brain injuries, leaving him with life-limiting injuries. And um, because of those injuries, his mother um, devoted her life to caring for him. Uh, and uh, for part of the case, the legal team who worked for him in getting him some compensation did so without charge because it was the right thing to do. We all recognised that we'd rather he had the money for his upbringing uh, than uh, us take it as lawyers and barristers. Um, so that's the kind of example where it might be on offer, but again, it does depend on the individual lawyer, individual law firm, the individual client and the circumstances as to whether that might be on offer. But generally speaking, most law firms are businesses and they do have to charge to be able to operate and continue providing their services. Um, but it depends is the short answer. Very interesting, thank you. Would you say all lawyers like to argue? Well, I'd like to think no, Rob, but <laughs> deep down, I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, and if you ask my wife, she'd certainly tell you that the answer is yes. Um, I actually find in my personal experience, I've probably become better at arguing. So I would, I would imagine I come across as being argumentative because I have developed um, problem solving and reasoning skills. So I uh, feel that I'm uh, not bad at a debate and perhaps it encourages me to do it more because it's a skill that I've developed and improved upon which then um, leads me to doing more of it. So, And I think lawyers, depending on the type of work they do, they can be, if I'm honest, they can be more <laughs> argumentative. Um, is being a lawyer all courtroom based? Um, I'll be honest, that's probably one of the misconceptions I had and maybe even one of the things which attracted me to being a lawyer. But uh, the opposite is probably true. The overwhelming majority of lawyers probably never step foot in a courtroom. Now, you imagine if you're just buying a, or selling a house, uh, you'll use a property lawyer, um, they'd, have never, they'd never have a need to step in a uh, courtroom and um, a lot of the things that you'd go to a lawyer for are similar for example if you wanted to write a will you'd never need to step in a courtroom if you are selling your business um, there are some subjects which would require um, um, court involvement so it depends on the type of area of law there are far more areas of law which don't involve the courts or tribunals than there are uh, which do um, and lawyers tend to specialise, so the ones who deal with court work tend to only deal with court work, and the ones who deal with non-court work tend to only deal with non-court work. So there is a big variety. It's a bit like um, doctors. You can have a doctors of all sorts of areas. You can have GPs, you can have heart doctors, ear, nose and throat doctors, orthopaedic doctors, um, do neurology doctors, all different types. Same with lawyers and um, uh, you know, court is just one type of specialism which um, doctors can do. Would you say there's a common misconception that lawyers only represent big companies and corporations? Yes, and I suppose there is uh, a little bit of truth in that um, because the reality is that the wealth, bigger and wealthier the company is, the easier it is for them to afford um, legal representation and legal advice. So 
um, it is perhaps not um, too much of a stretch to suggest that they're more likely then to use them. So, for example, if there is a client who doesn't have access to or is not eligible to claim for legal aid and they have to pay for the legal costs themselves, but they're of relatively limited means, then they might not simply have the financial resources to use a solicitor or a lawyer. So then they've, they've got no choice but to try it themselves or find alternative methods. Whereas a very wealthy company doesn't have to worry about that problem. So um, they probably do use them more, but that's not to say that lawyers are only for big companies and corporations. I mentioned earlier that uh, if you're buying and selling a house, you'd use a lawyer. So that's something a lot of people uh, might be familiar with. Or if you wanted to write a will, wills are relatively inexpensive. A basic will uh, doesn't cost very much at all. And it's something that uh, is in reach for a lot of people. Um, so it's not just um, big companies, uh, the, uh, individuals to partnerships, to small limited companies, to big multinational in international corporations, all can and probably will need to use lawyers at some stage. Would you say there is still a stereotype that all lawyers are older white men? Historically, that was the case. Um, and, and this based just on statistics. Um, it is true that the profession was overrepresented by white men, but that is changing. In fact, um, interesting fact that I read um, probably about two years ago, but for the first time, and I think roughly in, um, just before COVID, so perhaps around 2020, uh, maybe 2019, for the first time, there were more women registered as lawyers than there are men. So the balance has finally tipped um, to be just over 50-50 in terms of women to men. That's much more representative of society because as a society, the population is generally evenly split. Um, now, it... Um, that is um, slight simplification because at the very top, so those who are have been at the firms the longest and who tend to be the more senior, for example, partners, directors or members, they are still slightly overrepresented by men and white men. Um, but uh, it, the truth is it takes generations. Um, it, it needs the... Um, uh, previous generation to retire and then the new ones coming through, for example, the women and the ethnic minorities, they would eventually then uh, rise up through the top. So things are changing and I think you'll find that m many more law firms are far more diverse now than they ever have been. For example, actually even here at Madison Peak, we've got even significantly more than 50% uh, female uh, workforce. I think when we last looked at it, it was, it was over 70, between 78% of our workforce were female. So it shows that actually we've, um, we don't take into account gender. And I think a lot of firms are being much more transparent and fair in their recruitment and only do it, uh, recruiting based on talent, not on gender or ethnic minorities. So things are certainly improving. And I would say, actually, anybody who's got an interest in law, uh, they shouldn't be put off or dissuaded because they think, well, actually, I'm, for example, I'm a working mum or I'm an ethnic minority or I've got care commitments. Or, in fact, even if you haven't been to university, the profession is opening up so that you can access it without having a degree even. So it's certainly becoming more diverse. And I think that's only going to improve with time. Excellent. Thank you for that. Would you say there is still a misconception that all law firms are well off and made of money? Yes, that's perhaps not surprising because the the very biggest 
law firms do have an awful lot of money. Um, it's a bit like, um, I suppose, grocery shopping. Uh, the very big um, conglomerates like the Tesco's and the Sainsbury's of this world, they make an awful lot of money just because of their sheer size. They have stores in most towns, they employ a huge number of people and they serve a huge number of people. So um, it therefore follows that their turnover is going to be enormous. And then there is all, all firms will run to operate a profit. Um, but you can still be a small firm, for example, just like you can have a small news agent, and make a healthy living to support you or your family or the small number of staff that you have. Um, but whether whether the firm is well off or not, I suppose it just comes down to good old business sense and running your business well. You can be an enormous company and not make any money because you're not making good business decisions or you're not running it well or you're having to borrow a lot. Um, or you can be a very small company, but you've made good business decisions. You run your business well, you make good strategic decisions, you price it correctly, you look after your clients, you give them a good service, and it encourages other people to come back to you. And then you can still be profitable, depending on your size. Um, so size doesn't dictate how well off you are, but um, it does still correlate. So, for example, the... Um, BMWs and Apples and Microsoft, they're naturally going to uh, lean towards some of the international law firms, the biggest law firms who've got the area of expertise that they need. So they're unlikely to go to a high street solicitor who specialises in, for example, family matters and property matters because their need is about um, um, protecting intellectual property rights, protecting their designs of their latest phones or the computers or protecting their technology. And that's quite niche. And so only certain firms do that. And they tend to be the, the bigger firms. And because they're bigger firms and they have um, wealthier clients, they tend to charge more. So um, generally speaking, um, the big city firms um, do make more money and can pay their staff better. But it doesn't mean that smaller firms can't do well. It's it's all really about how... Because ultimately a law firm is just a business like anything else. Yeah. It's about running the business well. Um, but it is harder. It's like all small businesses. If you're just an independent clothes uh, shop in the town centre, you want to try and encourage the local residents to shop with you rather than the big department chain stores. Um, and you've got to try and find things which set you apart so that you can still make... Uh, a healthy living for yourself and you might never you know reach the heights of the big um, um, retail chains but you can still be comfortable and happy and that's what law firms are like really um, we may not make as money as the uh, much money as the absolute biggest but as long as we do a good job for our clients and we have a good business model we can still um, make sure that um, we do well and our staff do well and our clients do well so I think it's a good balance. Is it still a popular misconception that lawyers never pick up the phone when people call? Uh, if this used to be a problem in the past I would say that it is um, either no longer or it is gradually diminishing because I think um, buyers, customers, consumers they're all much more savvy they're all much more aware and they expect a good service. We all want value for money. So if I was paying a lawyer, uh, I would want a good service to come with that. And I think both 
um, customers and lawyers all recognise this. So we know, for example, at Mullison Peak that uh, it's the right thing to do to give our clients the best possible service. And that means uh, answering phones. And But from a client or customer's point of view, they also want that. So, uh, And I think people are more likely to vote with their feet. So if a law firm isn't going to look after their client, then they're not going to keep that client. So I don't think law firms can get away without picking up their phone. Uh, um, and so they're going to need to do that. But um, it's, I, I'll give Madison Beacon an example. All of the lawyers have direct phone numbers. So whenever we um, deal with a matter for a client, we would always tell them our direct phone number. It's on our emails, it's on our letters, it's on our website. So it's so easy for people to get in touch directly with the person they want to speak to. And I think more and more firms are doing this because they're recognising that that's the way to keep their clients satisfied um, and to um, keep the business growing and healthy. So I think that is a dying trend, that of lawyers not picking up phone. I think the only reason they might not pick up the phone now is just because they're so busy. So they might be on the phone to another client and because actually, for example, here we have direct dial numbers, it means that clients can get straight through to the person they want to speak to and it inevitably means that they're then spending more time on the phone. But again, with emails and video calls and voice messages, it's so much easier to be in touch with your lawyer and for them to respond to you. Um, a popular misconception that I've come across is people think that working with a big international law firm is better than working with a local high street one. Yeah, well, I suppose that really depends on your personal preferences, your personality and your interests. So, for example, if I had a real passion for aviation law, I wouldn't be able to fulfil that at a small high street firm because they're less likely to offer that because it's such a niche area. Aviation, as it suggests, with um, um, transportation internationally, you, you're likely to need an international firm with offices spread out through several countries um, because they need to understand the different jurisdictions, the different laws in the different countries. And that's unlikely to be served by a one-man band in Romford, for example, who um, hasn't ventured um, his services beyond the town. So um, it is um, really, I suppose, horses for courses. Um, it depends on what, you, what you're looking for in terms of a career if you're a lawyer or in terms of a service if you're a customer or a client. Um, but you can get, I think you can get good level of service at any level of firm but it depends on what your need is so you're probably in fact I'd say for example for writing a will you'd probably get a better service at a local high street firm than you might do an international firm because they're more used to actually dealing with as I mentioned something like maritime law or aviation law and in terms of working again the expectations are different so if I was working at an an international law firm based in the heart of the city of London and I was working in their aviation department uh, I might have a client who is an airline operator based in Asia now they're going to want to speak to me during their working hours which doesn't necessarily align with the um, traditional business hours here in the UK so it might then necessitate me working either very early in the morning or very late at night uh, and that's not uncommon um, so a lot of people find that the lifestyle is very different working at an international firm. Um, so it can be a trade-off. Often the remuneration is better at these international firms, but the, the lifestyle may not necessarily be. So whether it is better or not depends on your perspective. 
um, I think it's much easier to get that, uh, to get a regular set of hours, uh, to have the flexibility in hours if you want it, and to have that work-life balance at a local high street firm. And again, if, you, if you're looking for a career, um, you can still have a good career and good earnings at a um, smaller firm. If you find the right firm, which is run well, um, you can hopefully get the best of both worlds. Thank you, Mansrul, for asking, answering today's common misconceptions about lawyers. As always, if you found this podcast episode helpful, more videos are available on our website and our YouTube channel, or call us today on 01708 78